Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway City Church. For more information about Gateway City, check us out online at gatewaycitychurch.co. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning and welcome to Gateway City Church once again. Everybody still feeling good? You glad to be in church today? That's right. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody needs a little of that in their life right there. Whatever he had this morning, I want to have it tomorrow morning. I love that. I love that. So good to see you here this morning. Uh, Glad that you made the decision to spend your Sunday morning here at Gateway City Church with us as we are in week two of a series that we call Reply All. And as Hannah mentioned, we're taking, we're just taking some topics and some questions that get asked all the time in, in culture today. Uh, last week, we, we, looked, we, looked, we answered really just the question and we just, really just, just addressed uh, depression and how, and how rampant it is in culture today and how it is the number one health problem facing facing society today and how we just looked at you know, what causes depression. We looked at how we can address it and how we can overcome it. And how we can move on from it. And last week, one of the key thoughts we talked about last week, and really just something I want to build, you know, off of today, and uh, was really just the thought that it's okay to not be okay. Like it's okay to not have everything put together. It's okay to not have life figured out. It's okay to not be okay. And and if you and and listen, and you have to come to an understanding that it's all right. If you don't have it all figured out, you got to be okay not being okay because if you can't accept that of yourself, if you can't accept that of God, if you can't accept that from other people, you are always going to struggle to find to find help. And so it's okay to not be okay. But what I'm glad about is that while it's okay to not be okay, thank God we don't have to stay that way, amen? Like, thank God we don't have to stay that way. God loves us. God loves us for who we are. He loves us right where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the way he found us. And so I'm so grateful to know that while it's okay to not be okay, thank God, by the grace of Jesus Christ, we do not have to stay that way. And today I just want to build off of that thought, and I really want to tackle just really just just three three things that really I think just kind of epidemically just kind of plague our society today and each one of these things we could we could we could preach an entire message and spend an entire Sunday talking about each one of these things but I kind of want to roll three things into one because I believe that that one of the causes or one of the major causes for these three epidemics that we face in our culture and like today I believe that they can all they can all be solved by by addressing just one thing I believe there's one solution, and so like we're just going to go, we're just going to go ahead and go there. Are you guys ready? Can we just can we just go ahead and just get into it. All right. So I just, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the I'm gonna have them pull up a statement that I that I put together. Um, I don't know if this is grammatically correct. It is going to be a run-on sentence. I'm just going to go ahead and say this, but just um, uh, just forgive me if you are if you if you are like just grammatically correct in everything you do. Maybe you don't even text in shorthand. Maybe you use all the punctuations in text messages. Maybe that's you. So forgive me if this is run on. I apologize. But, but I'm just going to, like, the first thing, like, we are stressed. We are stressed. Can, can, we, like, I, can we just agree to that? I don't think I had to tell you that this morning to let you know that you're stressed. You walked in the door already knowing that, that you're stressed. Like, like, man, we are a stressed out. I, I did some research this week, and I found out that, uh, that the number one question that people ask within church regarding to what they would like the church to teach on, address, the number one question that people ask the church 
is how do you overcome stress? It's the number one question that people want the church to address in regard to how do I deal with this? Like we are stressed. And I had some statistics that I was going to put together uh, to just kind of highlight this, but the man, the statistics, they just stressed me out. So I decided just not to worry about any of that. But like, we are a stressed out society between work and school, work and school. Some of you, you do both. Raising a family, having a job, uh, it's finances, it's just all stressful. And, and one statistic I do want to show you, I do want to highlight this, is that I learned that the greatest percentage increase regarding stress is taking place in the lives of of people between the ages of 8 and 15 years old. Did you know that? And what that tells me, it tells me that, our, that this stress is contagious. It tells me that the stress that, that we take on in our lives, the stress that the way that we, whenever we respond to a situation in, you know, uh, in stress, whenever a, whenever a situation or a circumstance stresses us out, it tells me that our stress level increasing is affecting the people around us. And particularly, it's affecting, it's affecting children. To where whenever they see us respond to stress in a stressed out manner, whenever they see us react, it, it causes them to, to feel that as well. And so we're teaching kids between the ages of 8 and 15. We're, we're, we're teaching them that the way that you respond you, you, is just stress. Like we are a stressed out society. And here's, and, and if we could continue with this statement, I believe the reason that we're stressed is because we are stressed because we are busy. Like we are busy. We are, we are the most workaholic cu uh, culture in the world today. Like we are busier now than we've ever been and it doesn't really seem to be slowing down at all. Like we are the most workaholic culture that exists on the planet today. We are, like, we, we're, we're, we're busy uh, over the last 15 years, within the last generation. You know, 15, 20 years ago, the average work week was 40 hours. But through this last generation, over the course of the last 15 years, the average work week has gone from 40 hours a week to 47 hours every single week. That's the average. Which means that in the last 15 years, we have essentially added one whole day to our work week. Every, and, and then, and then, not, and, and then, like, and then, and we're busy now also because because of technology, technology because because of because of, because of technology because of computers and because of because of internet and Wi-Fi and cell phones, uh, work doesn't just stop when we leave work. Like we bring it home with us. How many? I'm guilty of this. How many of you know that? Like you may leave work, but the moment that email comes through at 9 p.m., it, like I'm guilty. I'm the guy that's going to check that email. And as soon as I open up that email from work, I'm, I'm, I may have been away from my, from my office for, for three or four hours, but the moment I open up that email at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock p.m., I'm back at work. I, my mind is back at work, and we're not even counting those hours. If we were to count those hours, how many, how many, how many hours would the average work week be if we counted those hours? Like, we're the busiest we've ever been. I mean, and it just and it doesn't stop there with work. I mean, like, with family and with, with kids and with sports. Come on, somebody, if you got a kid playing sports, heaven forbid. Like, my son right now is, play, is playing a baseball game right now. And it's, it's it, th praise Jesus, it's the last game of the fall season. I mean, like, thank God. Um, I, love, I love sports. I love baseball. And I love, but like, man, uh, but like, good, when does it end? You know, when, we, we are so busy. 
We're so busy. And because, and because we are so busy, this is, this, I'm going to continue to finish this statement. Like, we are stressed because we're busy, and because we're busy, like, we are tired. Come on, somebody, are you tired? Like, I am tired. I could tell, like, listen, right now, if you've got kids here at the church, we have got free child care. I think we should just take a nap. I think we just, I should just stop preaching right now, and we should all just take a nap. It's free child care. When have you ever just had free child care? Like, it, just, just take a nap. I got today, like if you fall asleep during the sermon, like this will be the only day I don't get upset. Because, man, we just, we're, we're tired. We're tired. Like we are, we are stressed because we are busy. And because we are busy, like we are tired. And here's the reason for all of it. Like we're stressed because we're busy. And because we're busy, we are tired. And we are tired because we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to rest. I, I, wrote, I wrote this statement down. I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it's on the notes or on the screen, but I wrote, like, our, our issue is not the presence of busyness, tiredness, or stress. Our issue is the absence of rest. We don't truly know how to rest. But thank God, God, God is the giver of rest. In Psalm chapter 127, Psalm chapter 127, verse 2, this is what David writes. He says, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. Like he said, he, for, for it's God, for it's God, he gives rest to his loved ones. You don't have to work or strive just so that you can have an ounce of peace, an ounce of, no, like, like, our rest comes from God. And so, like, our, our issue isn't the fact that we're, t that, we're, that we're stressed because we're busy. It's just we just don't know how to rest. And we're looking, for, we're looking for rest in all of the wrong places. We're looking for God is the giver of rest. And so whenever we can lean into who God is and what he wants for his children and his people, like, he will give you rest. And we're looking to find rest. I, I, I found out this week, you know, it used to be where, you know, where, where people, you know, say like, you know, the meaning of life, the purpose of life, what fulfills you, uh, the, the, the top one or two answers, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it would have been, I, I find meaning and I find purpose um, and I find, I find in, in, in my family. Or, or, I, or I find meaning and I find purpose in my relationship with God. But today, but today, work is, work is the number one answer. People, people no longer find Rest and fulfillment and contentment in their family or in, the, or, or in their relationship with the Lord. They find contentment in, in the thing that makes them busy. Like busyness has become this thing that we've allowed to, 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 to become our identity. Like almost to the point where like if you're, like you, you, you know, every, like if you, you know, you, you have a conversation with somebody, you know, how are you doing? I'm, I'm just busy. I'm busy. You know, that, that, that's, and, and like, and if, and if somebody, were, and so almost to the point where like if you're not busy, like, you feel like you're doing something wrong? Like, if, I, if, I, if I'm not busy, like everybody around me is on their phone. They're texting somebody or they're calling somebody. My phone is in my I better just take it out to look like I'm busy. Because you don't want to seem like you're just being lazy, right? We've, become, we've, allowed, we've, allowed, just, we've allowed the busyness and the pace of life to, to become what, what we find value in and what we, what we find our identity in. And God would say, like, listen, you're leaning into all of the wrong things. If you want fulfillment, if you want peace, if you want joy, you're, you're finding it in all of the wrong things. 
I'm the one that gives you rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, gives us a warning. It says, God promises, God's promise of entering rest, it still stands. To this day, God says, if you want rest, if you want peace, if you want contentment, like, it still stands. My promise to provide that for you, it is still available. It still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. We're looking for rest in all the right, and God gives us this warning, like, we don't want you to, like, and I don't want anybody in the, I don't want anybody here to, fa- to fail to experience the rest that God has for you. I want to just highlight a couple of things that, that, because uh, we're talking about something that's just deeper than, than some of what we typically associate with rest. And so I just want to just highlight a couple of things that, like some things that rest is not. Uh, the rest that we're talking about, rest that comes from, from our Heavenly Father, rest that God provides, it is, it's just quite simply, it's rest is deeper than sleep. Rest is deeper than sleep. We often categorize uh, just rest, you know, in, in, in terms of, in terms of qu- we quantify it. We give it a number, like for instance, somebody might say, you know, how, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? You know, you might reply, you know, like, like five hours, six hours. If you've got small kids, it might be, um, I haven't gone to bed yet. You know, it might be that. But we often quantify, but, but, but even, but even the, but, even, but like, but rest and really even regarding to sleep, sleep really isn't defined in, in, in quantity. Because there, there's five stages of sleep, and each level of sleep gets a little bit deeper. And ultimately, to, like, to, that, to that fifth cycle of sleep, it's called REM sleep, which, which is where you are just truly like, at your best in regard to the quality. Of, and, so like, and so it's not even about how many hours did you sleep. Really, it's like how quickly can you cycle through the various cycles of sleep to get to REM sleep, because that is where you're going to be rested. So it's really about the quality of rest that you're getting. It's something deeper than sleep. And so like, we, we got it, we got it, we, we can't, it's not, it's not, I, I slept six hours, seven hours, eight hours. No, like, no, I got, I, like, when, how, when did you cycle into REM sleep? Because that is where true rest lies. And God is saying, listen, as restful as REM sleep, I, I, I've come to offer you a rest that goes even deeper than that. And so rest is, rest is so much more than, than sleep. God has a level of rest that's deeper than that. Uh, and I think many of you would know this, but that also, like, rest is more than than time off. Rest is more than time off. I, I, I find myself, you know, a lot of times, you know, just where, you know, you, mean, you work hard all week long and then you're running. You've got things going on during the day. You've got, I mean, you've got, you've got practices at night. You've got recitals. You've got gymnastics. You've got, you know, you're answering emails at eight o'clock at night and you cannot wait for the weekend. But if you're anything like us, we step into the weekend and we find that the weekend isn't even a place where I can rest anymore because I've got so many things. I've got the weekend is busier than the week. And I look forward to going, I look forward to, to Monday going back to work because it doesn't seem to be as stressful as the weekend was. Anybody know what that feels like? Yeah, rest is more than time off. And, and listen, and l- l- listen, rest is more than vacation. Because how many know that, like, man, vacations are not restful? If you've ever gone to Disney World, you know this. Did, like you spend time and money and energy all for a magic moment that will wipe you out for a month. Like I mean, and listen, and for for those of you that you know you're you know you man, you, you you go like you don't have kids, it's a vacation. But the moment you have kids, it's no longer a vacation. It's a trip. It's just a trip. It's not a vacation. 
I mean, like, but like, it's more than time off. Like the rest that God offers, like you, you like it, it's more than just time away. And I also want to just highlight this too. This is rest is rest is better than escape. Rest is better than escape. And I, I really want to I want to lean into this a little bit because there's an epidemic in our country. Just it's called escapism. It's escapism, and and it really is. It's a little bit of a plague in our society. And, and I just got the, the de- one, just a brief definition of escapism. It is the intentional detachment from reality. Like we we are we are so we are so just stressed out over what we what, what reality is is presenting us with and is and we're facing here, that we are looking for anything and everything to give us a brief moment of reprieve from from reality. It, it's 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 why it's why it's why alcoholism is up. It's why it's why it's why narcotic use is up. It's because we are looking we're looking to escape just the realities that we currently face. I mean, and, and you, you can, you can, it's, it's pornography, it's reason why pornography is, is used, is, is, is rampant. You know, I, I tell people a lot of times that, is that, you know, that when, like somebody that, somebody that's addicted to pornography, yes, there is an aspect of pornography that is, that is, that is, that is built around, you know, lust, but a large part of the use of pornography is built around escape. Like, I, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to get away from my reality. I know I got to come back to it at some point in time, but I just got to have a break. But the problem is, is that finding like a temporary reprieve from your reality does not change the fact that it is in fact your reality. It doesn't solve your reality. It's like it's better. So like the rest that God offers is better than, it's it's deeper than sleep. And it's more than just getting, getting, getting away from things. And it's, and it's, it's better than, it's better than escaping things. There's a passage of scripture in the Bible. This is the words of Jesus. I think it really just describes the type of rest that, that, that Jesus wants for us. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. This is the message translation. It says, are you tired? These are the words of Jesus. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. There's, almost, there's even almost a rhythm to that. God, Jesus is saying, like, if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you come to me, I'll show you real rest. There's almost like this, this rhythm, like walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. There's almost a rhythm to it, even just reading the words. He says, let learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly who who's a candidate for that like who wants that in their life who wants to live a life that is free and that is light who wants to live a life where where there's no where there's no, where there's nothing heavy placed on you where there's nothing ill-fitting that you have to deal with this is the rest that, that Jesus has to offer us if we lean into who he is and what he wants for us. So how do we enter into that type of rest? I've got four things I want to highlight for you. And the first one is, this, is, is one is this, we rest in salvation. We rest in salvation. Rest is found in salvation. We find rest in salvation knowing that 
that we we don't find we, we don't find salvation in our based on based on or based on our merit. We don't find salvation based on our ability to do more, work harder, be better. You don't, you don't find salvation in that. You no, we, we find salvation not in our ability, not in not in what we have the ability to do. Rather, we find we find salvation in what Christ has already done. We lean into what Christ has already done. That is where salvation lies. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to, your salvation, salvation through placing faith in Christ, it, it, it cannot be earned. You cannot do enough to obtain it. It is a gift that is given freely to you. All you have to do to receive the rest that comes from salvation is just receive it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to try for it. You don't have to, you don't have to do X number of things to earn it or to gain it. You just have to receive it. It's not based on what we've done or what we have the ability to do. It's based on what Christ has already done for us. Rest is found in salvation. It's not based on any of that. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son so that whosoever would believe in him, they would not perish, but they'd have eternal life. It's based on the work that Christ has done. Hebrews chapter 4, verse, verse 2 through 4, it's, it, it says this. It says, for this is the good news. This is good news. The fact that I can find salvation in Christ and in truth. I can find salvation through Christ, not based on what I have the ability to do, but based on what you, This is good news for you and for me. For you and for me. It says God, God, that God has prepared this rest. He's prepared it. God has done the work. He's put it in place. It's been, it's, it has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith. Faith is how we enter into rest. Placing our faith in Jesus is how we enter into rest. Of those who listen to God, for only we who believe can enter into this rest. Salvation cannot be earned. It can only be received. It can only be received. So many of us in this room, like we've, we've been saved. We've given our life to Christ. We've been saved. But yet we, we still live, we still live as if we still have to earn it. We, we, we're live, we, we live life like we're drowning. And, and like, and like, and if, if, I, don't, I hope nobody in here has ever experienced like the danger of, of drowning. But, but, like, but, but how, does it, how does somebody who is drowning, how do they react? Kind of like what's their, what's their natural instinct if, if they're drowning, if they're struggling? Is they, they, they fight, right? They fight, they claw, they paddle, they kick, they scream. They're working hard to just try to stay afloat. And anybody that's ever been a lifeguard, our worship leader Chase is, is a certified lifeguard, and, and he will tell you that somebody who is drowning, if they are fighting, if they are kicking, if they are screaming, if they're flo- they cannot be saved. They can't be saved. If somebody, if a lifeguard or somebody from the Coast Guard, if they, if they try to rescue somebody who is drowning and if that person is fighting, they literally, they, they back away because they know if I try to save that person while they're fighting, while they're kicking, while they're screaming, they're going to pull me down with them. Like I've, I've, had, I've had some friends of mine, they were lifeguards, they said in lifeguard training, whenever you encounter somebody that's drowning and they're just flailing all around, you just go punch them in the nose. Just swim up to them, punch them in the nose, knock them out. Because then when they stop fighting, it's only when you stop fighting that you can be rescued. When you stop working hard. Like, it, it, isn't, that, isn't, that just, isn't that just a little bit, that's, that's so crazy to think about. 
You want to say, God is saying, you want to save your life? You want to enter into the rest that I have to, well, then just quit fighting and let me save you. Quit kicking and screaming and clawing and scratching, trying to save your own life, trying to earn what I've already prepared for you. Just stop fighting and let me rescue you. We enter into rest through salvation. Enter into rest through salvation. You can only be saved and you can only be pulled to safety and rescued if you, if you just stop struggling, if you stop fighting, if you stop scratching and clawing, trying to save your own life. Just surrender. Surrender is a powerful word. In, in, in our culture, surrender means that Surrender means that I, I, I've given up and I'm being held captive. But in God's kingdom, surrender means when you give up, you, you're set free. And you're rescued. It's a powerful thing. It goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 4, And as for the others, as for the others, God said, And in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. And on the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. God has, God is, God has modeled for us what it looks like to rest. In Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, as we're reading the account of creation, at the end of every single day, God would step back and take a look at what he created. And he would say, it, it, it is good. But on the sixth day, on the sixth day, after he had done all of the work, after he had created everything, he stepped back and he didn't just say it is good. He said it is very good, which if you directly translate that from the original language of the Bible, it just simply means completely satisfied. It means God, God, God worked for six days took a step back and looked at everything that he had put his hands on, looked at everything he had done work for, looked at everything he had prepared, and he said, you know what? I am completely satisfied. There's no more, there's, there's no more work to be done. And for anybody who, take, who places their faith in Jesus Christ, because of the grace and because of forgiveness and because of mercy, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are made complete in Christ. And when God takes a look at you, he says, I am completely satisfied. Because when I look at you, I don't see you. I don't see your mistakes. I don't see your failures. All I see is the grace of my son that's been placed upon you. And so when I look at you, I am completely satisfied. You want to work hard. You want to try. You want to try to earn your salvation. You want to try to earn rest. You can't. I've already done it for you. Just rest in the rest that I provided for you. Because when I look at you, I am completely satisfied. You don't have to strive anymore. You don't have to stress anymore. You don't have to be busy anymore. You don't have to be tired anymore. You don't have to work for it. I've done all the work. Just lean into who I am and what I provided for you. And I promise you, you will find rest because in you, I am completely satisfied. We find rest in salvation. We find rest in salvation. I wrote this down. It says, we enter, we enter into rest through salvation, and we remain at rest through relationship. Through relationship. Second way that we enter into rest, and you've, you've probably heard this before. Um, you know, you've, pro you've probably heard this before. You know, it's, it's, we, get it, we, get it, we get it from the Old Testament. It's like we rest by taking Sabbath. 
You've probably, you know, you've probably, if you've been around church, you've heard that before. You've probably tried it. You know, it's impossible. I've tried it. Here's another preacher telling me just to take a whole day and do nothing. You know, but, um, but, uh, so like, but, but I promise this is so important. So like, don't tune out, listen to me. Um, but this is, we get this out of Exodus chapter 20, verses eight, uh, beginning in verse eight, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. This was, this was, this was, this was one of the, this is one of the laws that God, that God implemented to the Israelites. And this was a big deal for the Israelites. Because they, they, the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They, they didn't know what taking a rest even looked like. So God had to implement a law just to teach his people, I need you to rest. I need you to rest. All they had ever known is, is, is work all day long. Slave and toil all day long. So God implemented this law to teach them the value of rest. And then in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, we see it again. It says, there, there remains then Sabbath rest for the people of God. This is the, the, the writer of Hebrews is telling us that, that even though Christ came to fulfill the law and we are no longer bound by the law, like we're no, longer, we're no longer required to take a Sabbath as the Israelites were in the Old Testament. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, but like, it's still a good idea. Just as much as it provided value for the, for, the, for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, like it provides, it adds value to you like today. Like listen to what I'm telling you. It, st it still means a lot for you to take, uh, take some time to, for a Sabbath to rest. And what you need to understand is like taking the Sabbath, as I studied Sabbath, you know, I always kind of thought about it when I was growing up. You know, a Sabbath day, it meant just, I meant just a day of just like, like, like vegging out on the couch and just doing nothing. But that's, that's not at all an accurate picture of what Sabbath looked like for the lives of, 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 of people in the Jewish culture, the Israelite nation. Whenever, whenever, they, whenever, you, whenever I studied the Sabbath day, I learned that the Sabbath day for, for the nation of Israel, it was their best day of the week. They looked forward to this day more than they looked forward to any other day of the week. And for them, this, and, and listen, and this is, if you want to try to structure out a Sabbath day for yourself, this, like, there's a formula for how to do it. Within the Israelite nation, within the Jewish culture, a Sabbath day, it was a day that was, they set aside time to spend time in worship and giving thanks to their God. That was a huge part of their Sabbath day. And also, it was a day dedicated to spending time with family, just enjoying time with family. It was also a day that they set aside to, to, to just spend time doing something that they enjoy doing. And no, the thing that you enjoy doing, it cannot be tied to your vocation. It cannot be tied to what you do for a living. You may love your job, but you need some time away from your job if you want to keep being great at your job. So, like, I mean, if, if, you, if, if you work inside, well, then on your Sabbath day, do something outside. If you work outside, then on the Sabbath, do something inside. Do something that you enjoy. And then also, this I love this part of the Sabbath. But it, within Jewish culture, they would also, so they would spend time worshiping and giving thanks to God. They would spend time with family. They would spend time doing things that they would enjoy. But then also... A large part of their Sabbath day would be undefined space. Meaning, we don't have anything planned. You can do whatever you want to do. How amazing does that sound? How many people want a day of your week where you don't have anything planned? I am preaching right now. You, just undefined space. Like, we need to be okay if we look at our calendar and there isn't anything on it. Like we rest in our salvation. We rest by taking 
Sabbath. And then you're going to love this one. Uh, we rest through discipline. I, I know that sounds amazing. I know. Like, let's be disciplined. That sounds restful. I know, but, but, but we rest through discipline. But really, like, it, it takes discipline if we are going to implement and be consistent with applying these things to our life. One, one of my favorite companies in the entire world is Chick-fil-A. And I know you're not supposed to talk about Chick-fil-A on a Sunday because they're closed. And like I, I talk about it, and all of a sudden now, all you want is that heavenly marinated Jesus chicken that with man with the buttered bun and <sighs> I just oh man, isn't it great? And I've just made the rest of your day awful because you can't enjoy it until tomorrow. But every, I promise you, every single one of you are going to get up tomorrow morning and you're going to go hit up Chick-fil-A for some chicken minis. Come on, I know you are. God bless chicken minis. But I love the company Chick-fil-A because, because at the beginning, at the very beginning of the founding of that company, they made a decision. Their leadership said, we are with God. And we are, not going to, we, we are not going to open up any of our stores on a Sunday. We are going to be disciplined in this practice. And I, it, we, we, doesn't, we, we don't care if that's a day that we, if that we don't care if we're losing revenue on that day. We don't care if it doesn't make sense on paper. We are going to be committed. We're going to be disciplined in staying committed to this one practice because we know it's what is best for our organization. It is what's best for the people that we employ. We're going to be disciplined in that. We're going to remain disciplined if, if, because if we just throw discipline out the window, we will become lax in, in taking Sabbath. If we throw discipline out the window, we'll become lax in, in taking time to just rest. So we've got to be disciplined in what we do. And the more disciplined you become, the more disciplined you become, the easier life will become. We rest through discipline. And then last, and then lastly, it's we rest through significance. We rest through significance. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. And I know that seems odd how earlier we talked about how you, you can't work for or earn the rest that God offers. But then here in, four, in chapter 4, verse 11 of Hebrews, it says that we have to put forth some effort to enter into rest. That, that's a little bit contradicting, but what you have to understand is the rest that is being referred to in this verse is not referring to a rest that you and I can enjoy on this earth. It is referring to a heavenly rest. It's referring to a supreme rest an eternal rest that is coming as a reward for those who place their faith in, in Christ. There's an eternal rest coming. So why do we, see, because see what God wants you to understand, God wants you to understand that yes, he wants you to be at rest here and now today. He doesn't want you to live a life of stress and busyness and being tired. God wants you to enjoy the rest that is available for you today, but he doesn't want us to lose sight of the fact that, that there's a rest that is coming that's eternal. There's a rest that is coming that, that goes beyond any kind of rest we can currently experience. So why is it that we, why is it that, that, we, that, we, that, we, that we make an effort to enter into that rest? 
presence because God has always been about people. Everything that God does is all about his people. It says, make every effort to enter that rest. Why? So that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. God is saying, I want you to enter in to the rest that I have for you today. I want you to find rest in the salvation that I've provided to you. I want you to find rest by taking a Sabbath. I want you to find rest through being disciplined in these things. But I also want you to keep your eye on, on the goal. And that's to enter into a rest. And so, so while you are enjoying the rest that I, that I have for you today, do not lose sight of the fact that while you are resting today, we need to be working out our salvation. We need to be living out our, our, our faith in Jesus in such a way that it affects and impacts the lives of people around us Why? so that no one would perish. So that if you live out your faith in Christ in such a way that people that you are around every single day within your home and within your jobs, they would experience the love of Jesus so much so that they could enter into the rest that you are enjoying right now. And so that one day when life on this earth is over, they can enjoy the rest that comes from heaven with us. We work out our salvation. We live out our faith in such a way so that it makes a difference in the lives of other people. So you rest through, the, through knowing the significance that you have as a part of your life. Your life is significant because it makes a difference in the lives of others. And your life is significant because it makes a difference in the lives of others so that they can enjoy the rest that you currently have and the rest that is coming, an eternal rest. That's how we rest. Rest through the significance that God has placed on your life, knowing that your life is meant to serve other people and it's meant to make a difference in the lives of other people. There's a, there's a story uh, of a man. Uh, I never had a chance to meet him. Um, I, I, know, I, know, I know family members, but uh, kind of the story of his life is really just, it's, it's a story that just, it just, it's, it's really just what kind of radically just changed my life and the way that I see my life. But uh, it's a man by the name of Billy Hornsby. Uh, Billy Hornsby, he, he, he started an organization, or he helped start an organization called ARC. It's, called, it's the Association of Related Churches. And it's a church planting organization. And all this organization, it's, it's, it's who we planted this church through. Associ association of Related Churches, this, this organization, all they do is they exist to, to train, to resource, and equip pastors to to plant churches all across the country and Billy Hornsby was a part of the team that, that launched this organization they're uh, I believe they're 18 or 19 years old now and and um, and whenever we launched this church in in March uh, we became ARC church number 841 and so over the last 18 19 years they've they've launched they've launched almost 900 churches all across the country and uh, and they're launching they're launching their first ARC church in in uh, internationally in Costa in, in Costa Rica uh, later on later on uh in next year but Billy Hornsby was responsible he was part of the team that launched this church and an amazing man did amazing things in you know in and in, in, God did some amazing things in and through his life and he really impacted the lives of just just hundreds of people thousands of people you know several years ago uh, Mr. Billy passed away from cancer he had, and as he was as he was in the hospital, he's just laying there uh, on his deathbed, preparing for the end of his life. You know, people wanted to come by and just just pay their respects and uh, and just give honor to, to to a man who had done so much for them. And uh, and so, just a group of pastors 
and they were just sitting around in his hospital room and and just kind of reminiscing about some things and and, and one pastor asked Mr. Billy this question he said he said Mr. Billy said you've done so many amazing things and he said you you man you've helped countless number of people and and, and you take a look at your life and all the things that you've done and what would you say is your your greatest accomplishment? And he just sat there, and, and, and his answer to this question completely changed the way I see my life. Completely changed what I want my life to be about. But Mr. Billy, whenever he answered that question, his answer to the question of like, what would be your most significant accomplishment? And Mr. Billy's response was, he said, I don't have any. He said, all of my greatest accomplishments belong to other people. This is a man who would embrace the reality of knowing that my life is not meant for me. My life is, my life is, should, my life is to be about serving other people, helping to make other people's lives better. So that as their life becomes better, they can in turn make a difference in somebody else's life. And then the person that they help, that person can in turn help somebody else. Because Mr. Billy understood this in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. It says, then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Whenever you apply God's ultimate purpose to your current position, you will recognize that, you'll recognize that tomorrow, whenever you walk into your office, you're not walking into an office. You're not walking into your job. You're walking into an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of other people. Whenever you walk into your home this afternoon, you're not walking into the place where you can just kick back in your recliner and watch football. No, you're walking into a home where you can create an environment where your children recognize and see the love of Christ in you. We rest in your salvation. We rest in by taking a Sabbath. We rest through the discipline of practicing practicing these things so that we don't lose sight of them. But then we also rest through knowing that our lives are meant to make a significant impact in the lives of other people. (laughs) Well, all right, there you go. The rest that God has for us it's a rest that cannot be found and you, you can't you can't find it you can't find it you can't earn it you can't obtain it it's only found it's only found whenever you lean into who God is lean into who he wants to be in your life and through your life can I pray for you heavenly father we love you today and we're so grateful for who you are we're so grateful for for the rest that you provide today, Father, I pray for anybody in this room who is in desperate need of rest and they've been searching for it and they've been trying for it. They've been, they've been working hard so that they could get to a place that would allow them the ability to rest and help them to understand today that if they need rest, if they need true rest, all they have to do is come to you. And today, if you're in this room and you are in desperate need of rest, if you are stressed out, if you are busy, if you feel tired and you've been looking all over the place to find it, you've been working to earn it, You've been trying to build up vacation days just so that you can have some time off of work. 
And today you're realizing that, that, is, that, that that's great, time off is great, but that's not where I find true rest. True rest is found in my relationship with Jesus. Today, if that's, and if you've never given your life to Jesus and you, you've never experienced the type of rest that comes from knowing God by placing your faith in Christ and, and you want to accept that today, Will, I want this rest that you're talking about, but I've never given my life to Jesus, so I can't experience it. And today, I want to experience it. So today, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that is you today, would you just let me know by raising your hand? I want to pray for you. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to, I want to enter into the rest that he provides. Heavenly Father, we love you today. And we're so grateful for the people in this room who are recognizing their need for you. And we pray, Father, that you would just, God, that your, that your spirit would rest on them and that they would find rest in you, not the things that this world has to offer. I pray that they wouldn't find rest in, in what they have the ability to try for, to strive for, to earn. But, Father, that they would rest in you. They would rest in knowing that the work of salvation has been done, not in through what we have the ability to do, but what in you have already done. Help us to find rest in that. And Father, today I pray that, uh, God, today as we go home, I pray that everybody in this room will have the best nap on a Sunday afternoon they've ever had. And whenever they wake up, I pray that they will enjoy an incredible meal with their family, with no phones, no television, just conversation between them and their children. Father, help us to find rest in who you are. We love you so much today. We give you honor for everything that you're doing in and through our lives and in and through this church. We celebrate you today. We honor you today. We thank you for who you are and all that you've done. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we get, put our hands together for a God who provides real rest and not a God who just offers us something temporary? Yes, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Gateway City Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, visit us online at gatewaycitychurch.co to select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.